my burden today is kind of contrary to to the way that uh, the songs and the thoughts have been going today. Luke chapter number 16, verse number 19. I, I don't know how much of this we will read today. I want to I want to preach this, um, but I don't know how much we'll read as, as far as a text verse or a text passage. Uh, maybe just enough to get you re-familiarized with it, but we'll start reading in verse number 19. And, uh, then we'll, we'll make a couple comments and get into the message. Y'all, y'all, y'all all right this morning? Y'all doing well? Right. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Tell you what, let's stop there, let's pray, and go a little further. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony that was given, Lord, of your deliverance, Lord, of your faithfulness, of your love. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you have helped, Lord, as Sister Pace mentioned today, Lord, that through her trials and through this tribulation over the last year, how that you've allowed her the, the strength and the faith to be able to help someone else. Lord, what a blessing that is to hear. And God, I know that her and her family, Lord, no doubt still struggling Lord, as some would say, maybe up the rough side of the mountain. Lord, I, I don't know, Lord, how they do it from day to day, God. But, Lord, I pray you'll continue to give them grace. Give them strength, Lord. Lord, I pray for Brother Stanley and Sister Denisha and Rachel and, and Nathan and even Michael as he's away. Lord, I pray that you'd give them strength and grace and mercy. Father, others, Lord, that we can lift up that are going through troubles today, we pray that you'd help them. But Father, I pray today, Lord, as we've just read from Your Word, Lord, we pray that You would help it, Lord, to open up something in our hearts. I pray that You'd help us to preach the message that's in my soul today with compassion and with authority. Father, we pray that You'd help us, Lord, as a church, Lord, to get a hold, Lord, of what the Word of God says today, and we'll thank You and we'll praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to try to preach the thought this morning, things in hell we need. Things in hell we need. And I'll tell you this, you can even retitle it if you want to, because there's another thought that's running through my mind this morning, and it's the title of a song. And and I thought it was in our hymn book, but it's not. It's in one of the hymn books that I have somewhere around here. But it's a song entitled, If Men Go to Hell, Who Cares? Anybody ever heard that song? We don't sing it. It's a song that's uh, no doubt it's an odd title to be sure, but it's a convicting song. The song was written years and years ago in the early 1900s, 
uh, around 1939, I guess. Um, but some of the words it says, while the world rushes on in its folly and sin and millions go down in despair to reign where demons shrieking within, if men go to hell, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Oh Lord, who cares? While the world rushes on in sin to despair, if men go to hell, who cares? While the people of earth are forgetting the Lord and church pews are empty and bare, there comes to my heart these pitiful words, If men go to hell, who cares? Yes, the Father who sent His dear Son to this earth, all our sins and our burdens to bear, He has counted the cost and He knows what they're worth. If men go to hell, who cares? And the Son who was willing to die on the cross, the burdens of lost men to bear, the One who has suffered for all who are lost, if men go to hell, who cares? The Spirit, the Bride, and true Christians say, Come, for all who are lost is their prayer. The demons in hell send a warning back to home, if men go to hell, who cares? If you try to look that song up, you'll see a few folks that may sing it. Some mock it just because of the name of the the song, but but it is a uh, an odd title, but convicting nonetheless. It makes me wonder about the people that I know, the people that I've come in contact with, maybe for a brief moment, you know, just hey, hi, how are you, and go on. How many of those in their life? Uh, or, or their life is ended rather, uh, just shortly after that brief interaction. Makes me wonder how many people maybe that, that I see at a store or, or, or maybe at a ball game or something along those lines or, you know, it's sports seasons now, especially football. Someone maybe that you see on the television screen. I watched some yesterday and these boys were, were painted in pink. I think it was supposed to be, uh, Georgia red, but they look more pink to me. Kind of makes you wonder when they left the stadium last night. What happened to those young men? And so this, this, this thought, if men go to hell, who cares? And for over a week now, this has been in my mind, this thought, do, do you really care? Do you really care? Jamie, do you really care who goes to hell? And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, it goes all the way down to verse 31. There's a conversation between this lost man and or this rich man who is lost and uh, Father Abraham. And uh, it, it gives us a little bit of light about what we need today in our modern churches. And I, for a moment, I want to look at this and, and bring out some things about how that we can care for the lost. And, and so just, I'm going to try to go as quick as I can. There's seven things. I'm not going to preach all seven of them. I'm just going to give them to you as we go. But number one, we need to realize that the lost, uh, drop into hell at death. Now this may not be, uh, th- th- I know this is not camp meeting preaching. So there probably won't be a whole lot of shouting. 
This is probably going to be one of those that I asked my wife, well, was anybody talking? Would anybody helping me when I was preaching? And she may say yes, but I can promise you I probably won't hear you today because there's so many things going on in my mind. There's so many, so many people that I have, so many people that I have seen that I have failed to reach out to. So many family members that I have come across through my own lifetime that I know that are dying and going to hell. But church, if we can realize that when someone dies and they draw their last breath, they immediately drop into hell. If you look with me back in our text, it says in verse number 22 and verse number 23, at the end of verse 22, it says, And the rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes. I want us to notice quickly the progression. It says that he died and was buried, and in hell he lift up his eyes. There was no time for him to get right. There was no time for some prayers to reach heaven. Now I'm not talking about no, I'm not talking about while he was dying. I have seen men and I have seen women while they were dying get right with God. Somebody help me right there. I've seen men and women that they have been in hospice care and they have been in the hospital some for hours and some for weeks. And they have finally, Brother Kurt, they have gotten right with God. And, and I'm talking about as soon as they said amen, those, those monitors, they went, they went blank and, and there was a peace that, that overwhelmed the family because they realized that finally, they were they were at peace with God, but brother brother Buster, I've been in too many hospital rooms and and I've been in too many funeral homes where I know that they they died in their sin without trusting God and and they died and they went to hell because they did not trust God and and people are so so lost in their in their ideas that they think that that they can say a prayer for them after they've died and they can somehow get into heaven. Or they can light a candle. They can go into some church and and light a candle. And and as long as it's burning, their soul is safe. And and their soul is in limbo. And and it's not in hell. And so every day they go in and they make sure that that candle is burning. And if it's about to extinguish, they will light another just to make sure that their soul is okay. And it's not going to go into hell. But can I tell you, according to Scripture... And let me add a little bit of weight to it according to the words of Jesus Christ himself. That when this rich man died in hell, he lift up his eyes. Folks, if we, if we want to try to reach the lost, if this morning, if we want to show that we care when a man dies and go to hell, what we need from hell is we need to realize that when they die, they are going to hell. There is no purgatory. There is no, there is no, uh, um, halfway point. There is nothing. It is immediate. When they die, they go to hell. 
Imagine with me for a moment that when that ambulance drives by or, or when that fire truck blares its siren or, or when that policeman uh, rushes down the interstate or rushes by the church or rushes by you on the, on the highway or whatever it may be or you hear shots ring out, whatever it may be, know that someone's life may be in the, in the balances and someone may slip out into eternity. And we need to care. Our theme for this year has been the love of God. Last Sunday we talked about the love of the Father. If we're going to have the love of the Father, then we cannot love the world. But this morning, if we're going to love the people that are in the world, we have got to understand that we must show the love of God to them. Number two... We need to know that the suffering in hell is real. We need to know that the suffering in hell is real. And in hell, he lifts up his eyes, being in torments. I'm going to read on just a few more lines here into verse 24. And see if Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this. Can I just stop and tell you this, this has nothing to do with what I'm, it, it's not in my notes. Can I, can I just tell you that there are little boys in hell? There are little girls in hell. There are grandmas and grandpas in hell. You say, well, what about, what about, uh, I don't know how old, uh, how old are you? Nine. Benny's nine years old. There's, there's this age of accountability and, 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 and just to explain it to you, Benny, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if you've reached that yet, but the age of accountability is when that young person knows Really right from wrong. It is when they understand what being saved and being lost truly is. It, and, and some people reach it at an early age, maybe five years old. I've heard of people being saved at four or four or five years old. I've heard of people young. I was saved when I was 12 years old, okay? I believe I could have gotten saved earlier because I knew right and wrong. But I want you to know today that there are young boys and young girls that have reached that age of accountability and they've still said that I do do not trust God as my Savior. And I want you to know, we say that God is a God of love. And God is, Kurt, God is a God of love. And God loves you so much that He will let you, no matter your, no matter your choice, God will let you make your choice. And no matter your age, He will let you go to hell. Y'all hearing me this morning? So we need to understand today that if we're going to care for this for this dying world, we need to realize that there is suffering in hell. He cried. He said that there was. Uh, uh, he said he was being in torments. There in verse number twenty-three, he cried and said, "Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." Hell is no place to find joy or peace if. We 
we want joy and if we want peace, we got to go to Galatians chapter number 5. Guess where you're going to get it? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. If you want love and you want joy and you want peace, it's going to come from the Spirit and that's going to come from God. You can't find it in hell. You won't find it in the world either. I'll just give you that. You won't find it. He said, hell is no place to find these things. He says, I'm, I was being in torments. He cried in Matthew 25, verse number 30. It says, and he cast, excuse me, it says, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In, uh, in Matthew chapter number 18, we have something similar here with this weeping and gnashing of teeth. But in our text, we'll get to Matthew 18 in just a moment. In our text, he says, have mercy on me. He talks about his thirst. He talks about these flames. But in Matthew 18, verse 8 and 9, it says, wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. For it's better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed, or rather than having two hands or two Two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. He said, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it's better uh, to enter into a life with one eye uh, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. He says, I want you to know today uh, that hell is a place of pain. Hell is a place of torment. Uh, we live in a possessed society. Uh, when music describes, uh, when entertainment describes, when society itself describes, and portrays hell as another source of entertainment, as a place where you can just go and have a good time. But I want you to know today, it is a place of torment. And if we're going to care for lost and dying world, we need to know that they, our loved ones, our neighbors, our sons, our daughters, if they die without God, they're going to be tormented for eternity. Number three... We need to lift up our eyes. Verse number 23 again. And in hell, he lift up his eyes. Men, women are blinded to their condition. Here's, here's something that I've come to realize. There's, there's a lot of people. You take a man that's drunk. You take a man that's a drug addict. You take a man that, that, that they are heavily involved in sin. A lot of times they know that they, they know their condition. But you take someone that's just kind of dabbling in it. But while they're dabbling in that, they're also dabbling in church. Or they're, they're doing, doing a little bit of this and they're doing a little bit of good. They'll begin to weigh the bad and the good and they'll, they'll always think that they're doing more good than they are doing bad. But I want you to know it is not good works that will get you to heaven. It is only the good that Christ did on the cross that will get you to heaven. 
But I want us to know today that according to this, in hell he lift up his eyes. The Bible says that men are blinded. They are not only blinded by their own doings and their own happenings that surrounds them, but at least twice in the last month I've read from these verses in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. He says, but to the Christian, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You know what we're doing? We're taking our gospel, Brother Curtin, we'll put it under our coat, and we're hiding it. Oh, we're not hiding it from one another as Christians, but we're hiding it from a world that needs to see the light. We're putting our light under a bushel. We're putting our light under a basket, and we're hiding it. Oh, we're trying to keep it from somewhere. We're trying to keep the good news. We're trying to, who was it recently? Oh, we're Brother Dwayne, maybe. Oh, we're trying to keep the cure for a dreaded disease to ourselves, That's what's happening. Uh, but instead, he says, if we're hiding our gospel, we're hiding it from the lost. But then he says here, that's what we as Christians are doing. But verse number four, it says this, in whom the lost, the lost is the whom, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I think two things are happening here. Number one, I think there's a lot of Christians that's become blinded to the needs of the lost. Y'all hearing me? There's a lot of Christians that's become blinded to the needs of the lost. But the lost are blinded to their own need of the gospel. They do not know that they need it. I, I am, I'm not going to sit here and, and bash programs. There's some of you that have been in, been in programs to help with addictions and stuff like that. I don't know enough about them to bash them. I, I don't. I don't, from, from the bottom to the top, I have no idea how those things work. And so I can't say anything about them. But what I do know this, that even above or beyond programs, Christ, Christ has to be the answer. He has to be. Without Christ, you're still walking around blind. We have, we have the lost and found. Ministry. It's different from, from a lot of the other things that are going on. And again, Brother Jody's been a part. Others, have, others in the church have been a part of these, these other, um, I just said it, the, the, these different programs like, uh, Alcoholic Anonymous and things of that sort. Others have been a part of those things. And, 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 and you can tell their statistics that they do work. So I'm not bashing those things. But what I'm saying is, based upon the Word of God and based upon the church, there's one thing, whether it's a statistic, whether it's life, or whether whatever it is, the Word of God. Brother Lee, we told you this going out of church Sunday night. It will not return void. There's some folks that will go to a program, and they will go for years upon years upon years, and they may fall. But now here it is, here it is. There's a lot of folks that they will, they will read the Word of God. 
They will read the Word of God. They will devour the Word of God for years upon years. But if they're not living the Word of God, let me, let me rephrase that. If the Word of God is not living in them, then they have not truly been changed. And they too will fall. So this morning, I need us to understand that hell, within hell, there is suffering. He says he's in torments. You'll find no joy. You'll find no peace. He says there's flames, there's thirst. He cried out. We need to lift up our eyes. They're blinded. Men are blinded to their lost condition. Christians are blinded to the fact of the lost. In John chapter number 4, verse 35, Jesus has has just, I think we can accurately say, He has just saved the Samaritan woman by the well. In John chapter number 4. She came with her own water pot. She came to get her own water. She came to the very familiar well to get a very refreshing sip of water. But there she met a stranger who gave her water from himself that did not take any of her bucket and it satisfied her thirst eternally. So she left her water bucket and she ran back to the city and told all the men of the city, Come see a man who has told me all things that ever I did. And in verse 35, the disciples, those religious, the church, came back and said, What are you so excited for, Jesus? Well, isn't that like the church? (laughs) Sometimes we are dense. We have no idea what's going on. We see the water pot. Well, that's weird. I wasn't there before. We see this woman running. Oh, they didn't even really ask what was going on with the woman. What do you mean you have meat to eat that we know not of? We got the meat right here, Jesus. What are you talking about? And then Jesus said this in verse number 35, John chapter 4. Say not ye that there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. He said, guys, he said, y'all been in the city? You've been in the harvest. You have been walking around elbow to elbow with people that needed me. And all you've brought back was the meat. He said, you need to lift up your eyes. And look on the harvest. He said it. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Some things that we need from hell. We need to lift up our eyes. Christians are blinded to the nearness of the end. After seeing and after writing about all of the things in the book of the Revelation, John wrote in Revelation chapter 22, verse number 20, He which testifieth these things saith, 
Surely, this is Jesus, surely I come quickly. John says, Amen. Even so, he says, Amen, Amen. That's what he says. Then he says, Come, Lord Jesus. Or even, we always hear, even so, come Lord Jesus. But if we're going to honestly pray this as John did, we have got to look up and see the harvest. Brother Jody, we mentioned a few weeks ago, you've got some family members that need to be saved. We could probably all raise our hands that we've got some family members that need to be saved. I know that I do. I saw some this week in Tennessee that need to be saved. I've got them in states surrounding me that needed to be saved, that need to be saved. I'm sure that you do up in North Carolina, right? I'm sure, I'm sure you have some over in Alabama. If they're in Alabama, I'm sure they need to be saved. Amen. I'm sure that there some maybe in Haiti that need to be saved. All right. I'm sure that there are some people that need to be saved. Maybe even in here this morning. And so when we begin to cry out, even so, come Lord Jesus, then what we are saying is, I've done everything that I should have done. My work is completed. Now, Lord, come. Now I ask you the question, have you truly completed your work? If you've got some friends, neighbors, loved ones that are not saved, that you have not talked to, that you have not tried to witness to, that you have not prayed for, that you, there, I don't know if you had a chance. I, I sent you a link today, uh, a gentleman preaching and he used the word agonizing. He said, when is the last time you agonized over something? He said, Sunday school teachers, When's the last time you agonized over that little boy or that little girl in your Sunday school class? When's the last time you saw an empty seat and you agonized over where they were? We've got teenage teacher, teenage boy teacher. We've got a young, young uh, person teacher. Miss Kim's not here, but Miss Lori taught her class today. We've got this morning, uh, the adult Sunday school teacher this morning, but David's not here. Uh, then we got preachers in here this morning. When is the last time that you saw daddies? When's the last time that you agonized over your children being saved? Mamas, when's the last time? Husbands, wives, when's the last time that you agonized over seeing someone saved by the grace of God? See, when we pray, even so, come Lord Jesus, we're saying, God, my work's done. Come and get me. And there's nothing wrong with that prayer. But before we can pray it, we need to make sure that we are ready. Romans 13, 11. And knowing that, excuse me, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation than when we Nearer than when we believe. It is high time for us to wake out of our sleep. We need to have a distant vision. 
Verse 23, and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off. We're often guilty of seeing those in our immediate surroundings. Some would say it like this, our four and no more. We would say it like, well, my house is saved, and so that, that's good enough for me. What about, I mentioned it earlier, what about your neighbor? What about that boy you went to high school? What about that young lady you went to high school with? We've got some people that's just graduated high school. We've got some that are in college now. We've got some that just, she's graduated college a couple times. We need to look beyond what we could see and see afar off. I was with with David a couple weeks ago, and we were out on one of the pieces of property that he has. And and I mean, I I feel like I can see all right, but he's older than I am, and I feel like he should be blinder than I am. But he's more attuned to seeing certain things. And what I was seeing was dead corn. It was a field that needed to be mowed, and he was saying, "All right, do this, do this." And then out of nowhere, he's like, "He's like, look, everybody, eight or nine deer over there." I'm like, looking. I'm like, "Yeah, that sure is." About three elk and a buffalo too. I couldn't see nothing what he was talking about. What he was doing, he was seeing afar off. And see, we need to see afar off when it comes to souls. Number five, we need to be fervent in spirit. Verse 24 says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. A lot of times we have a a picture of hell of just being this 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 black ball sometimes even a, uh just you know because we call it the bottomless pit maybe some sort of a a sphere that has flames i don't even know how to explain hell i mean it's one of those things brother terry i don't i don't i don't fully understand i can explain it with what i i know but i still feel like the half has yet been told and so we, we, we look at hell and, and we hear this account and, and he says, have mercy on me. He cried and, and said, have mercy on me. I cannot begin to imagine the cries that must be in hell. Now I've heard stories. I've read articles about things that people have heard and things that people have discovered. I'm not saying they're true. I'm not saying they're not. But what I do know is according to this, that in hell, there are men, there are people crying out in torments. Our fervency, our fervency as Christians is, is not to Abraham, not to Father Abraham as his was. But it's to our Heavenly Father. It's to God. 
You know it. We read it just the other day. James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you are righteous, if you are righteous in your heart, and you will effectively and you will fervently pray, the Bible says that that prayer of the righteous and the effectual prayer will avail much. And so what we should be praying about is the souls of men, women, and children that we know that get saved. Number six, we need to recognize that Christians and the lost are separated. Verse 26 says, and beside all this, this is Abraham. He says, beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from from hence or from here in paradise to you in hell cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Those that die in their sins right now, we've already established it, they go to hell. Right now, if you're, if you're in this building right now and you are lost and you know that you're lost and you die, you'll wake up in hell. Probably quicker than that. I don't even, I can't even measure it. Probably quicker than that. You'll wake up in hell. And you'll find yourself going from verse 23 to verse 24 to all the way to verse 31. You'll find yourself going through every single one of them. God, please have mercy on me. Please, I'm tormented in this flame. God, please send someone. Give, give, I heard him preaching about hell. Please give me mercy. Show me mercy. Give me water. Help me somehow. But church, do you understand today that you may be the very one to reach that person today so that they don't have to be tormented. See, there's a separation. Abraham, Jesus here, Jesus is talking about this conversation in hell. And Abraham said that there's a great gulf. And there is a separation between the saved and the lost. One day at the great white throne judgment, though, the Bible says that death and hell will give up those that are in them. Death and hell will give up those that are in them at the great white throne judgment. And at that great white throne judgment, They, those individuals, death and hell, will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. We talk about hell and we say you'll go to hell for eternity. And essentially you will. Because hell is going to be cast into the lake of fire. But there are two different things that God has prepared. Hell and the lake of fire. The lake of fire is for all eternity. Hell is a temporary place. But one day, death and hell will give up everyone that's within them and they will all be cast into the lake of fire. Number seven, 
we need to know that the only hope for people is for them to hear, to repent, and to believe. Verse 29, Abraham saith unto him, this rich man, he says, I need you to, I need you to send someone to my brothers. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He says, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said, if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Notice what he said there in verse number 30. Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Abraham said they won't be persuaded. It sounds to me like Jesus has given us a prescription for salvation. You must be persuaded. You must be told. There must be a hearing you must have, make a decision in your heart. The thing is, is there are people making decisions all day long, but they're not acting upon them. That's why I don't like using that word, using that phrase. People made decisions for Christ. I can make a decision to jump off this platform. But until I do it, that decision means absolutely nothing. They must repent. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But let's go back a couple verses to verse number 9. Romans chapter 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead and thou, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Peter said in Acts chapter number two, it's the day of Pentecost. Pretty much the first gospel message after the resurrection. Verse 38. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He says you must repent. You must repent. You must repent. Now here's the thing. This is where we get it all confused. People say, well, you're making it too difficult. You're making it, you're making everybody confused. You need to, the Bible says you need to believe. 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 I believe. You need to believe. But in believing, guess what you will do? You will repent. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will repent. The word repent is not saying I'm sorry. The word repent means turning away from your sin. So when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will repent. You will turn away from what you have done. Let's come with a song of invitation. You will turn away from your sin. So this morning, church, the challenge is, do you love God enough? Do you love God enough to love the people in this world enough to show them the love of God? Do you love God enough 
to show this world His love. We've given you these these scriptures out of Luke chapter number 16. It should, it should in kind of in, in stir up fear in us. I've got cousins. I've got uncles, aunts, nieces, nephews. Well, a niece, a nephew. I've got great nieces, a great nephew that need to be saved. I've got in-laws that need to be saved. I've got neighbors that need to be saved. I'm not putting this on you. This has been going, for me, this burden's been on me since the beginning of May. First week of May. The first Monday after our camp meeting. God has put this thing on me so bad I can't hardly stand it. Because there are people all the way around us that are going to hell. And what are we doing about it? Are we just talking about it? Are we going to do something about it? Let's stand. You've heard the message. If you need to come to the altar, you come. If you want to lift up somebody's name in prayer.